Welcome to another edition of the Seed Time Money Podcast. This is where we help you transform your financial life using timeless biblical principles. I'm your host, Bob Lodick, and I'm so glad to have you here today. Super excited today. I got Linda here, which is always fun. And we are bringing on a mutual Nashvillian um, resident who I've known of for years and looked up to for years, who just wrote a new book called Love-Centered Parenting. Her name is Crystal Payne, and we're going to be chatting with her about a whole bunch of different things because she's a wealth of knowledge and expertise. So we're going to just kind of cover a lot of different topics and uh, just kind of see where everything goes. So Crystal, thank you for taking a little time coming to chat today. I'm so excited to be here. It's fun to actually get to see your faces, even though we're not in person, because we've actually never met in person, which is which is a shame. We need to work. We need to fix that. So are you in Franklin or Nashville? Uh, Franklin. So you are in Franklin. Yeah, we're in Franklin too. All right. So we're probably, you're probably like a mile that you. way. Yeah, at the store. Run into yeah. the grocery store. <laughs> so you've run this website called Money Saving Mom for a long, long time. I think longer than us, right? When did you start that? So I started Money Saving Mom in 2007. Yeah. Oh, same year. That was the same year we started Christian PF at the time, now seed time. So we started at the same time. And so you've been doing that forever reached Googles and Googles of people. If that's Googles, is that Googles. a number? Googles, Googles. <laughs> it's probably some sort of number. But anyway, reached a whole bunch of people with that and just created an awesome resource. And in that, like you have a really crazy testimony of how you bought your house with cash. If I understand correctly, you saved up enough money while renting to buy a house with cash. Okay. Yes. So this is just like mind blowing. Can we talk about this for a little bit and tell me a little bit about how this happened? Yes. So my husband and I got married 18 years ago and we had set this audacious goal that he was going to go through law school and we were going to stay out of debt. And he had the money set aside from some savings from his dad and some things that he had saved to go through law school. And he went in state in Kansas. So it's not this exorbitant amount. So we didn't know how we were going to actually then pay for our living expenses, but we had the money for law school. And so we had to get creative with patching together different jobs and all that. So he went through law school, we stayed out of debt and that kind of just emboldened us to say, well, let's set another goal like that. People thought that was crazy. Let's set a new goal. And so then that was when we crunched the numbers and we're like, we've been living on so little, what if we were to continue to live on little and set aside a lot into savings? Let's try to do this for five years and let's see what happens. And um, so we really felt like we'd be able to buy a starter home in Kansas with that if we were to just save everything we could for five years. And so we did. That motivated us though so much. And right around that time we had found Dave Ramsey. And so I feel like he was kind of this extra shot in the arm, like, oh, let's think outside the box. Let's. And so Mm -hmm. we then um, with stuff that I was doing online and just with working really hard, we were able to actually save up enough for starter home in less than five years. And so then we got a little bit more than a starter home that we were able to pay cash for in Kansas. Then we wow. continued to live on little. I mean, we increased it a little bit, but it was still significantly less than we were making. And um, then we were able to buy, pay cash for two rental homes in Kansas. So then when we moved oh to Tennessee, we said, we're going to rent because we don't know if we're going to stay here. So we kept our all of our three houses in Kansas. We rented them out and moved to Tennessee and we rented. And pretty quickly, we knew that we wanted to stay here. And so we continue to kind of rent and figure out what do we want to do? What is this going to look like? And so we ended up then selling those three houses and then with extra money here because 
homes are a little bit more in Tennessee um, than we'd saved up that we were able to pay cash for our house here. So man. All right. So so you've never had a mortgage. Never. I've never had a credit card or a mortgage. I've never had any kind of So I'm a very weird person. Yes. Where was God in all this? You know, that's, that's an interesting question. I think that one of the things that we learned from the being in really lean times. When Jesse was in law school, we were living on about a thousand dollars a month. So really lean times. And then kind of moving to, as our income increased, it's hard when you've gone through that to then not kind of still feel like you have to just be so, so, so careful. Mm -hmm. And so I'm grateful for that season where we basically couldn't buy anything extra. I mean, when I got pregnant, I was like, God, you're going to have to provide maternity clothes for me because I don't, I can't even afford to go to the thrift store. And he did. He was so faithful. But I also feel like there was some of it. You take it on yourself of like, you know, we want to make sure that we work hard because we don't want to go back to that. And so I think Mm -hmm. there's been this, yes, we got to see God provide there and he was so faithful. But I feel like in the season when we were saving up for our first house, we worked too hard just in our own strength and our own effort, like working so hard to try to hit this goal and let's hit it early because we see that we can do this. And so I always tell people like, I wish we would have paced ourselves a little bit more and we wouldn't have burned ourselves out in those two and a half years that we were working so hard to do that. So where was God in that? He was very faithful, but sometimes we were kind of over here in our own strength trying to do stuff. And I mean, I look back, we had three kids in that time frame, and it was just, a, I exhausted myself and did a lot of things wrong and burned the candle at both ends. And I wish I would yeah. have. I guess what I'm taking from this is if you were going to do it over again, you would mm-hmm. live a little bit more. If we were going to do it over again, I would not have worked 70 hours a week. Absolutely. Yes. And I feel like that God was providing and he was so faithful to provide, but I think there was like, well, but I just got to keep working because what if the online stuff doesn't keep doing as well? And so there was some of that where I feel like now it's this place of just kind of living with your hands open to saying, you know, God, we're just going to trust you and you, you have been faithful and we're going to trust you. And if the online stuff doesn't keep working like it has been working, then you're going to have something else for us. But I don't need to work crazy hours because there's always more you can do. But like for me, a faith thing is to be offline one day a week and to just focus more like foster care. That's been something where it's like, there's so many hours of my week that's focused on foster care that I'm not working. And I'm making a lot less money because of that but this is so much more fulfilling. And so it's like that finding that balance of saying, when is enough enough? And just being okay with, you know what? You can always make more, but at what cost? And I love, one of the things I love about God is that he just, he always meets us where we are. And he's like, I see what you're doing. And that's great that you're trying really hard, but let's let's just bring that into a little bit of balance. And it almost feels like something you have to go through yourself in order to figure it out. You know what I mean? Do you think Mm -hmm. that? Yes, 100%. I feel like I had to, especially me, my personality, I'm very stubborn. So it's like, I feel like I had to kind of hit rock bottom as far as my health. I I went through a season where my health really struggled and that was because of working so hard and not sleeping wow. enough. And so I feel like God allowed that to happen. So for me to wake up and be like, you know what? You don't need to keep working at this crazy pace. And here's the interesting thing. A lot of times when I work less, we actually make more money. It's not the hours worked. It's the effort put in and the trust in God that you're like, okay, here, I'm over here trying so hard to make this happen when God's just like, just open up your hands. Just trust me. Mm -hmm. Just walk by faith. 
We have experienced experienced the exact same thing. So many times. We felt like God was kind of drawing us to take a month sabbatical. And we did this for several years for the past, I don't know. About seven years in a row now. It's like every month, Bob's like, we made more money without me working than we did with me working. And it doesn't make any sense, but it's almost like God's like, can you just let go? And can you just let me Mm -hmm. do it? Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's so cool. I love that. That's amazing. One of the things you were talking about that I think is really interesting is, you know, I don't know if this was a case for you. I'm not speaking for you by any means, but there's so many people that need to hear the message of, do you need to work hard to pay off your debt? Because you're just choosing to be in debt when you don't need to be and God has more for you, blah, blah, blah. But then there's some of us who can turn debt freedom into an idol Mm -hmm. where that becomes the highest thing that we're after at what cost? Like whatever, it doesn't matter. Like right. the highest thing. The and, cost of your health or whatever. You know, and I don't know if you were in that position or not, but based on what you're saying that now you would have taken a slightly different approach. Like, I just think that's a really interesting thing that maybe not everybody needs to hear, but I think some people need to be reminded of that. I agree. And I think for us, it was maybe not the debt freedom, but it was more like we wanted to pay cash for our house. And we kind of like put yeah. that up on like, let's try to do it in less than five years, which is great to be motivated, yeah. but- yeah you can also pace yourself. And I feel like that's the thing for me that I have had to learn with business. I'm very much this driven person. And in 2015, it was my third book had come out and I was getting all these opportunities to speak and media and all that. And I remember I I went out to coffee with someone and they sat across from me and they said, what are you excited about right now? And I literally had no answer for them because I realized I was just working so hard. I was exhausted. I had all these things that all these people would think like, this is it. Like you have arrived and yet there was not joy there. And so for me, I took 2016 was my year of rest. And I literally said no to pretty much everything. And that kind of has totally reshaped the way that I do life. And there's so much more joy in my life now and so much more fulfillment. And I'm grateful that I hit that place where I just realized why, what's the point. And so I think it is important for people to realize you can have all the things that everybody thinks are going to make you like you have arrived. And that's not enough. If you're just pursuing it in your own strength. So true. It's mirroring so much. So Mm. 2015, 16 were some of our biggest, most significant years in business. And then in 2017, God called me to take the entire year off. So I took all of 2017, I stepped away from the business, had the same thing that you're talking about, where it's like, it was a complete reset. And I was so burned out before. And I yeah, feel like he, he would wake up excited to go to work every day. And all of a sudden he was waking up and he was like, I just don't want to do it. Yeah, and for I'm 10 like, years, I was excited. Something's wrong, you know? Yeah. And we observed, it's like, all right, something's wrong. This dream business that you started and have been running for all this time. Now yeah. you hate going, you hate going to work. Yeah. Like what happened? Yeah, I love There's so much wisdom in what you're saying. The mm-hmm. idea so of rest. And I love what God does through it. And super exciting. I love that. Let's take a little bit of a turn here. I want to talk and start talking a little bit about parenting. So one of the things that we talk about sometimes is that every decision in life is not a financial decision. You know what I mean? Like there's certain times if you have to go to the ER. That's not the time to call around and find the cheapest ER. You know what I mean? It's like you go <laughs> to the ER, there. you know, and and I think there's that's an extreme example, but there's a lot of middle ground examples where the financial component should be a factor maybe in the decision, but it's not the only piece of the decision. You well, know? And even what you were talking about with working 70 hours a week and having three kids, like there had to be a piece of that where you're like, I wish I would have, you know, looking back 
you mm-hmm. see it a different way, right? Yeah. So, and, and that's kind of where I'm going, like in terms of parenting, like, and maybe it's just expanding on what you were talking about, but how has that idea that I suspect based on what you said that you're in agreement with, how has that affected your parenting in all this? As far as like, if we're going to kind of connect it to what I was just talking about, I've realized that there are so many opportunities that you have every day and, you know, which ones are the biggest priorities. And so often it'll be like, I could choose to spend this 30 minutes doing this thing that I know is going to bring in a significant piece of income, but my daughter is sitting here and she is, wants to talk to me. So which is more important? And, you know, yes, there are some times when you need to put food on the table. And so you're going to have to make some sacrifices and you're going to have to try to make it work. But if you're in a season where you do have some wiggle room, you know, making those choices so that you think, okay, this is what's going to matter most in 25 years from now. And that's really what I try to wrap my time and my life around. And so making sure that I'm using the time that I have for business hours well, so that once my kids come home, I want to, when they come home from school, it's like, I want to be able to be present. And so maybe they're all working on homework and I can get some other work done. That's great. But if not, if they need me, I want to be available for them. And so I think a lot of times people think, oh, if you have your own business, it's just going to be like this perfect balance of like, it's just this (laughs) perfect world. And it's like, No, you're actually, I think it can be harder sometimes because you're having to, you know, that if I do this thing, it's going to be X amount of dollars that I'm going to probably earn from it. Whereas, you know, there's not a monetary return for spending that time with your child, but it's the eternal return that is so much more worth it. Well, and the investment too. I mean, we haven't made it to teenage years yet, but you have teenagers, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. That's what I hear is that it's like, it's not so much time in that, you know, you need to always be feeding them every meal and snacks and preparing everything, changing diapers, all that. But it's more, they need your attention in like pulling out the deeper things in life, mm-hmm. right? Yes. They want to talk at 11, 1130 midnight. Yes. Yes, that's, when, <laughs> that's when they're like, they come alive and they're just like, mom, I have to tell you what happened today. And, you know, so just being available. And I feel like if you're not available when they're younger, they're going to find somebody usually who's available or they're just going to internalize everything. And so it's like being present and being available and showing up for those conversations when they're little, even when it's hard because they're saying the same thing over and over and over and over again. And they're telling you, it takes them 10 minutes to tell you what they could have told you in like 20 seconds, but (laughs) listening then, because that's setting the trajectory for when they get older, um, for them wanting to have conversations with you. And I just, I love it. I love having teenagers. My girls are 16 and 13. They had prom last week and they invited me. I was the driver to take the one, my daughter and her date around. And then we met up with my other daughter and her friends and they're like, mom, just, just, I'm like, honey, I don't think I'm so like, Oh no, it's not a big deal. Just come in with us. And so like, I got to go to their pre-prom stuff with them. Wow. And, and I just, I love that, like that they, they want me to be involved in their life. And I'm just so grateful for that. And so being available for that is so much more important to me than anything else that I could be doing. Yeah. That is so cool. That's great. Well, yeah. And wow. you must be doing something right if they want you to come to prom. I'm about to devour this book. We just got <laughs> it in the mail yesterday. But man, I, I feel like parenting is something that I can really grow in. I mean, I love my kids, but we're not perfect. One of the things you talked about in here actually was how you can only do so much and then you rely on Jesus to fill in mm-hmm. the gaps. 
Mm-hmm. And that is such a powerful revelation, I think, because as a mom, I'm sure as a dad too, you can speak to this, but like, you have to feel like, man, I failed again. I yelled at my kids again. I wasn't there for them. This I was distracted. I was on my phone or whatever, but like really being able to rely on God to fill in and to get them where they need to be. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Instead of making it all our problem. I thought that yes. was so good. It was interesting. So when I was writing the book, I asked on Instagram for people to fill in the blank. My job as a parent is to blank. And the responses, I got hundreds and hundreds of responses. And it was fascinating because I would say that 98 to 99% of them were things that we ultimately don't have control over as a parent. Wow. And so it was things like, you know, my job as a parent is to raise kids who love Jesus, go to heaven, make good choices and have good character. Or my job as a parent is to make sure that my kids get a really great job and marry a really great person. Okay. These are all great ambitions for your kids. And, you know, we want to like my heart for my kids is I want to raise confident, capable kids who love Jesus. Like that's my heart, but I ultimately don't have control over that. Like Mm -hmm. my kids' choices and behaviors are theirs to own. Mm -hmm. And so I think when we realize that we can't be our child's savior, we can't be their Holy spirit. It releases so much burden off of us to just be able to walk with them and love them because we can spend so much time trying to fix and micromanage and overprotect and just correct. And we are spending so little time connecting with them and loving them. Like we're telling them all the things that they're doing wrong. Cause we feel like that's our job as a parent. Why can't we just shift that to focusing on let's speak life to them and let's just really enjoy them and step into their world and care about what they care about and be interested in what they're interested in. And that's how we build relationship with them. That's so good. We went to our business mailbox, but we we don't check it that often. And I went last night and had four books in there, (laughs) one of them and a whole bunch of other stuff. But anyway, so I haven't had a chance to get real far. I'm only like into chapter one, but one of the things you said in the introduction that I really loved and was like, oh, so hard, you know, was this thing, this quote you said, I was confronted with the harsh reality that the way I was parenting was not about my kid's heart, but about my own reputation. Oh, I'm so <laughs> guilty of that. Like just the, I want to have good kids. So people think, oh, he, they have good kids, well-behaved kids. That's just a desire that I don't want to muddy the water of the most important thing. Can you speak to that a little bit? Like how you have just personally worked through that and dealt with that? Yeah. So it was really with one of our kids hitting rock bottom and them spiraling out and experiencing so much anxiety and depression and taking them to the ER for being suicidal and then having them be in therapy. And it was just, it was like, God took away so much. It was like, my reputation was stripped from me because a lot of parents were talking and saying things. And I just had to be like, I just have to let that go. But I didn't realize how much I was parenting for my reputation Mm -hmm. until I started digging into this more. And we were, it was our first therapy session and we were meeting with the therapist before our child was starting to have sessions. And I asked her, I said, if you can come up with anything that I can do, please just help me. Cause I'm, I'm at my wits end. Like, I don't know what to do and everything we're trying is not working. And a few weeks later, she called me back in after she had therapy sessions with my child. And she said, I feel like you're trying so hard to fix your child. What would it look like to walk with them instead? Mm. 
And wow. I stepped back and I started analyzing and I realized that every time there was a situation, so my kids are fighting or, you know, you get some phone call or email from school or something is happening that you're like, I need to address. I feel like it was my responsibility to really come in and like fix this. I need to like set the record straight. I need to preach a sermon. I need to get everybody back on track. But if I would go to like, why am I doing that? It was really because I wanted other people's approval. So often we don't realize that we're parenting for other people's approval. We don't realize that we're parenting out of fear of the future too. A lot of times like we will be so frustrated with our child and responding to a situation because we are playing this out in 10 years from now. I mean, I've done this so much where it's like, I'm (laughs) like, you're talking back to me. And you know, when you get a job in 10 years from now and you talk back to your, you know, employer, they're going to fire you, you know? And so we're, we're parenting out of fear of the future, what it's going to, how it's going to affect our kids in the future. And instead of just being present, and leaning in and loving them right where they're at. And so for me, then I had to realize, okay, why am I looking for my approval from other people? And I realized it's because I didn't understand how much I was loved by God. And I Mm -hmm. felt like I needed to earn and win not only other people's approval, but also his approval. So this journey for me has been a journey of learning to be reparented by my heavenly father and understanding how much he loves me. And I don't have to do more, be more, try harder, be better, achieve some level of Christian perfection (laughs) in order to be loved by him. And so a lot of the book, Love Center Parenting, is about our own hearts as parents. So often we're looking for kind of the quick fix, you know, just give me the four steps or give me the chore chart or give me the, you know, just tell me the rules that I need to have to have great kids. We need to go to the root Mm -hmm. of, you know, the why behind the stress that we're feeling or why we're frustrated with our kids. Um, Let's go to the root and really unearth what's going on there. And so that I had to go through this whole process of realizing these lies that I was believing that they had become labels that I was wearing, that I was living under. And I was parenting out of those lies of believing that I'm a disappointment to those closest to me, that I am not enough and that I'm a failure. And so those lies were clouding my ability to love my kids well, because my child is doing something wrong. I am rushing in there to fix it. Because I'm thinking, you know, this is, I'm a disappointment. I can't believe this. And so then I'm projecting all of that on my child as well. And so when I got to the place of really being able to recognize the lies and then replace them with truth, which it was a two-year process. I talk about that in the book. And then standing confidence of who I am in Christ and how much I'm loved by him. It just de-escalates everything. So then I can just love my child right where they're at and not worry about the future or, you know, like playing this out and fearing the future or worrying what other people are thinking. I can just love them, lean in and care for their heart. It's not dependent upon me how they choose to, you know, their choices and their behaviors ultimately aren't dependent upon me. So I can just love them. Wow. I'm assuming this probably changed the atmosphere of your home too. Absolutely. Yes. It's completely different. Yes. Yeah. And I'm sure your husband probably walked through a lot of this with you. Mm -hmm. Yes. Which is amazing. It's just our whole home is completely different. There's just so much more calmness. And like I talked about us doing foster care, there's no way we could have fostered four or five years ago because there would just been way too much stress. But now there's just this peace, kind of just this underlying peace and calmness because we know we can't do this in our own strength. 
And we can just look to the Lord and rely upon him and then be conduits of his love to our kids. And we know that we're going to make mistakes. And so owning that and being like, we're going to have to go back and ask our kids forgiveness. And that can be a great gift that we can give them for them to see us when we struggle, that we're looking to the Lord and asking for his help and asking them to forgive us. And just them seeing us relying upon God, even in our weakness, even when we fail, that he is still faithful. That's really good. good. I'm excited you wrote this book. I know, me too. I want to take another kind of left turn, but still talking about parenting in general. And I don't know if you go into this, but I am just curious because I know that generosity is something that's near and dear to your heart. It's a big part of our calling as well. And I'm just curious how you're teaching your kids about giving and generosity, what that has looked like selfishly. I'm just curious. And I think a lot of people listening and watching will be curious too. Um, One of our biggest hearts is just to give our kids opportunities to recognize need. And so we have taken our kids to countries where there's a lot of poverty, but not just that, but also stepping into foster care has been the everydayness of our kids getting to see that there are needs right in our own backyard. And I think that that has really changed their perspective, but also I think walking with these families, it changes your perspective because it's so easy to jump to criticism. Why can't these parents get their act together and, you know, just get healthy already. But to, to realize once you understand addiction, once you understand poverty and how it can just people are trapped in these cycles. It really has helped open my eyes and changed my perspective and given me a lot more empathy and compassion. But I think, I think for our kids as well. And so we want to encourage our kids to be generous with their money. And that's something that we encourage them with different things throughout the year, ways to give and things that we do as a family, but also being generous with their time and their life. And so giving them opportunities to do hard things. And so last year, whenever all the world was shut down and we had these two newborns and our kids round the clock were helping and our two older girls were getting up in the middle of the night to help with babies. And, you know, just that real hands-on experience of learning to be self-sacrificial and give, and, but then also getting to see the fulfillment of walking with this little boy and him being reunified with his mom and seeing his mom get healthy and seeing how he's thriving now. And obviously every story doesn't end like that, but I think for our kids, it's really changed their perspective and giving them this heart to have a lot more empathy and compassion for other people. And I think then that really translates to being generous with your life and so that's, that's really our heart. And one of the reasons why we started fostering, even though it was scary, it's scary in general, but when you have kids, especially kids who are older, that you know, it's going to affect you're thinking, you know, what if this like completely traumatizes our child and they have PTSD yeah. for the rest of their life as a result of this decision, like you can play out all those things, but again, we can't live in fear. We got to walk by faith. And so we want to be prayerful and careful and intentional, but we realized it's easy to take our kids to another country. I mean, it's not easy, but you know, it's like you go to another country, you, you are, you know, building relationships and you're, you see all of this and you're serving and, you know, trying to meet needs, but then you come back home and, you leave it all there. And so instead of like bringing this need into your own home and the brokenness and for our kids to say goodbye last year to a sweet little boy, that was their brother. 
you know, and having to say goodbye, it's giving them so much more compassion for people who lose someone that they love because they walked through that grief. And so there's just so many things there that I feel like generosity has played a big part of it. And it's also shown a light on our selfishness (laughs) because I know that it's shown me like I've got some selfishness that really needs to get rooted out. And it's been a good thing for us in that regard as well. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like I, you know, I'm assuming it's just different personalities, but there's some people it's easy to give money and there's some people it's easier for them to give their time. And then I think giving your life, is kind of like a different category mm-hmm. um, in which I would say like fostering falls in that category yeah. where it's like, yeah, that's yeah, a huge shift, especially you have forms. like a newborn. I mean, I guess it would be like that with any age child, but think I'm thinking through a new, having a newborn, a little baby, there's constant demands on it, you know, mm-hmm. but it's probably like that for most ages anyway. Well, I think it's also the giving of like your heart getting attached and yet knowing that, like, I think for me, it's that ultimate letting go because you are so attached, but yet you have zero control. And so it's like, you're loving this child as if they're your own, but you ultimately have no say in what their future is going to be. And so I realized how much I feel like I have so much control over my kids when I don't, but like, it's this misnomer of like, yes, like if I do, you know, like I'm controlling my kids and I'm like, actually, no, at any time, at any moment, something could happen, but we, we have this false sense of security. And so it's been really helpful for me. Foster care has just helped me to like release this and just open my hands and say, okay, God, one day at a time, that's all I can do. And I just want to trust you. But it is like that giving of your heart of letting your heart be broken. And whenever we said goodbye and it was like this gut wrenching sort of thing. I mean, like we're just grieving this loss and then to say, okay, sign me up again. You know, I mean, it was like yeah. for our, you know, for all of us to be like, to say, to open up our home again was knowing like we are signing up to have our hearts broken again. If our hearts can be broken. So another family can be made whole. That's so good. Like we have to like, when you know the need, you cannot just close your eyes and walk on, yeah. you know? And so that's for us. It's like, and in, in, in every area, not, not everyone's called the foster care, but like, I think it's so easy for us to come up with excuses for what God's called us to, because it's like, well, that's not very safe or that could be, you know, and we let fear drive instead of walking by faith. And I can just tell you that God has just completely changed our whole entire lives by stepping into that. Yes. Even when it's been really, really hard and we get to see him show up and be so faithful. Wow. That's so good, man. I think we should do another episode just talking about fostering because I think it's just so important. And I, I feel like so many people miss that this is, I mean, it talks about it in the Bible, like, right. Taking care of widows and orphans Mm -hmm. and, I feel like so many people miss it and they think about it selfishly. Well, yeah, since we've adopted two of our kids, like we've had people just make little comments, not trying to be rude or mean or anything, but just little comments that have been like, oh, you're, you're just not seeing this the way God sees it. Yeah, you know you what I mean? You don't get it. But I, it, it makes me sad too for them because I'm like, you're missing out on a huge thing that's on God's heart because mm-hmm. you're thinking about yourself instead of thinking about other people, right? Once we give our lives to the Lord, we become servants of all. Mm-hmm. So we, as Christians, we are called to love everyone. And part of that is taking care of people who maybe their situation is not ideal. 
they are walking through really difficult things, really difficult challenges and being able to come alongside them, help take care of this child for them so that they can get healthy. I mean, I just think it's really beautiful. I love it. Yeah. And I think it's also for us knowing that because of, you know, the financial different things, you know, and choices that we made and being intentional with our finances to be at the place where we can say yes to this. And so just encouraging your listeners that like, sometimes you're like, why am I doing this? Why, why are we making all these sacrifices? But to be to the place where now, you know, with fostering, it's not like it costs a lot of money, but you do have to be in a place where you can take care of your own. So being to that place where we have that flexible schedule, we couldn't take in the babies who have a lot of medical needs. If we, we didn't have the flexible schedule that we do, if we weren't in the financial place that we are. And so one of my passions is just, you know, helping the people of God get their finances in order, because when we get our finances in order, then we can do such great things for the kingdom of God. And so letting that be your why behind what you're doing. And I don't know what God is calling you to, you know, I'm passionate about foster care, but everyone has their own passion that God's called them to, but being able to make those sacrifices to get your finances to that place so that you can then step into that. Yes. That God is calling you to. Absolutely. Amen. We have a shared motivation and passion there along those lines. We've been chatting for a while, so we're going to wrap this up, but the book is called love centered parenting, the no fail guide to launching your kids. Thank you for taking all the time to chat. Where can people find this book? The book is available wherever books are sold right now. I think it got back in stock because it was sold out pretty much everywhere, but I think it's back in stock because the second printing came out. Um, Christian Book Depository, bookshop.org, Amazon, um, your local bookstore. And like I said, I'm not that far in so far because I just got it last night. But what I love is your really honest approach in talking about these things. Like it's not this elitist, I have everything figured out approach. It's a very honest and real look at this. Mm-hmm. So I'm thrilled about it. Clearly, I'm not the only one. It has, I think I checked, it's like 192 reviews with a five-star rating on Amazon. Wow. So clearly it's resonating. So yeah, everybody run out and grab the book if you have kids. Thank you, Crystal. Thanks for taking the time to chat. Good Thank to you so much for bit. this opportunity. All right. Well, I hope you found this helpful. We had a good time having this conversation and it was beneficial for me to have this conversation. And yeah, I'd just love to hear what your thoughts are on all that. And also, if you have any other suggestions for podcasts that you would like to hear, let me know over on Twitter or reach out to me over on the website, seedtime.com. Have a great rest of your day. Be blessed. And I'll see you next time.